Come on, how's everybody doing this morning? Who's ready for Christmas? Is anybody going away for Christmas? Going to somewhere hot? Can you take me with you? That'd be nice. Well, it's such an honor to be here. My name's James. For those of you who don't know, I have the amazing privilege of being the youth pastor here at First Assembly under some amazing leadership, and uh, it has been the greatest joy. Uh, I'm not from here. I'm from Edmonton, and uh, my wife and I, Karina, who's from Portland, uh, have been a part of this church for about four years, and it has been the greatest pleasure to be family with you guys and to be serving alongside and seeing the kingdom come in Calgary. And uh, this morning, I am super pumped to preach. Uh, We had a fun time in the 9 a.m., and we're going to have some fun in the 11 a.m., And if you have your Bibles with you this morning, we're going to turn to John chapter 15. This is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. These are the words of Jesus, and it's okay if you don't have a Bible. If you're a guest here and you're new, again, we'd love to meet you. Come say hi in the foyer, but uh, we got it on the screen if you don't have your Bible. But who has your Bible? Let's see those Bibles. Woo! Come on, somebody. Love the Word of God. If you got a dirty Bible, you got a clean heart. If you got a clean Bible, you got a dirty heart. John chapter 15, verse 9. Let's have some fun this morning. Come on! This is Jesus talking. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, this morning, understand the context that all of what I'm going to say and all of what Jesus is saying in the scripture is look at, look at it through the lens of love for you and for the world and for his sons and daughters. Understand that he's saying this to you because he loves you. He says, now remain in my love. If you love, bloop, if you love, if you, sorry, my bad. Small words, I need glasses. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. That's a tall order. To love each other, our neighbors, our friends, our family, our coworkers, our teammates, like Jesus loved them. Love each other as I have loved you. And greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master's business is. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go And bear fruit, fruit that will, what? Last. And the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. Jesus, we just thank you for these words. And Father, I just pray right now that uh, every closed heart would open by your spirit. That we would be able to receive something from you this morning and learn by your spirit and revelation how to love as Jesus has loved us, God. And Jesus even loved his enemies. And right now I feel convicted in this moment to pray for the Calgary Flames, God. Being from Edmonton, God, they're not in the playoffs right now. And we, this city needs something to cheer about. So God, we pray for the Flames. Johnny Gardot, get that hand better. In Jesus' name, everybody that agrees with that, sit. Amen. So I got a question for you guys. Have you ever been let down before? 
Put your hand up if you've been let down before. If somebody has let you down, somebody that you trusted, that you loved, that you, that, that you thought cared for you, let you down. That's happened to all of us. Wives, it's Christmas time. Have you ever been let down by your husband? You've been hinting at that piece of jewelry for years, and somehow he's never caught your hint. Anybody? They won't admit it, but it's okay. I'm just teasing. Uh, or or student, his child, you know, you're like waiting for that gift, and, and maybe mom and dad just missed the hint. I remember this one time. I, was, I, I put on my Christmas list, I want this snowboard. And uh, my grandma came and, and gave me a snowboard, and it was the wrong one. And I was crying, and I was like, well, you got me the wrong one. You let me down. And then she pulled out another one. She went to the garage and pulled out the right one. I was like, I'm an idiot. How ungrateful am I? I think we've all been let down. I remember this one time in my life. It was around Christmas, and uh, my parents, they got me this amazing little go-kart, 50cc lawnmower. That thing hauled. It was amazing. And uh, my parents were gone for the weekend. I had some babysitters around 11, 12 years old. And uh, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to take this thing for a rip. Let's go around the neighborhood. Usually we take it out to the gravel roads or like whatever. And, uh, but parents were gone, convinced my babysitters. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for a spin in this bad boy. Show it off to the ladies. So I'm ripping around my neighborhood, hanging out, having fun, having a good time, just screaming, wow. And, and uh, I, I turn this corner and I see this guy in a navy blue and, like, yellow striped jacket, and he's, he's, like, he's waving at me. I was like, hey, what's up? How's it going, man? And uh, I'm, I'm driving along, and in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, I think that's a cop, but ignorance is bliss, so I'm going to keep driving. I don't want to stop and find out, right? You know, you're 11, you're, just, you're scared. I was, I was, and I, I drive around, I'm like, well, just in case it was a cop, I'm going to stop, I'm going to get into my garage, I'm going to take my winter gear off and pretend like I've just been hanging out, playing video games. And uh, yeah, uh, I, was, I was let down significantly in this day. He was driving, or the cop was driving around uh, my neighborhood, and, and uh, just so happened that he came down my street, and my best friend was outside hanging out, Scott Fasanuti. And uh, he's driving around asking people, like, hey, do you know anyone with a go-kart? And uh, Scott, without any hesitation, pointed right at my house. <laughs> and so I get a knock on the door, and... and uh, he, he comes and he's like, son, like, you can't run from the police, man. That's jail time, bro. I'm like, like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. Like, my bad. And, and, uh, and uh, lucky, luckily, and the grace of God was on that moment. I didn't get a ticket or go to prison. Thank you, Jesus. And it definitely helped that my dad was a pastor in, in the town and knew the cop, and he let me off. But I was let down significantly by Scott Fastenuti. I was like, bro, you know what happens to snitches, man. You've seen those prison movies. Snitches end up in ditches and get stitches. You better watch your back, man. But I really think that each and every one of us, as funny as that story is, we get let down from time to time. We live in a world that's frail and fragile and we're humans and we make mistakes and we miss hints at Christmas. Jesus, give me the right hints for Karina this, this Christmas. Jesus, let's just, let's just pray right now, husbands. Come on, God. We just intercede. We get let down and it hurts and it doesn't feel good and it affects us. And what I find when we're hurt, when we're disappointed, when we're discouraged, what it does is it leads us to not depend on anyone else. I, 
I don't, I don't need anyone. I don't, I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to work hard for myself and independence is a good thing. Like, don't get me wrong in North American culture. It's really amazing. I have my own job. I pay my own mortgage. I have my own car. I'm not dependent on my parents. I depend on my wife for a meal once in a while, but I'm not like dependent on anyone. It's a good thing. But what I find when we, when we become independent of anybody else in society, what it does is it allows us and leads us to think more about ourselves than anyone else. Because it hurts to get let down. I'm not going to depend on anyone. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just going to take care of myself. I'm going to think about me. You know, why would I serve anyone? What am I going to get out of it? Why would, I, why would I serve on the parking team? It's freezing out there. Are you kidding me, bro? Why would I do that? You know, what, what am I going to get? Why, 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 why am I helping? I need, I need, I need to be helped. And what I, found, what I found that it's done in our North American cultures, it's pushed us so far away from the culture that Jesus demonstrated and created. So far away. And I find what happens is that when we're far away from that, when we're just trying to grind it out and get through life and get that RSPs and our bank account up and we're trying to, we're trying to fulfill our own desires, what I find at the end of the day and maybe at the end of the life where right now you're thinking, I wish my life mattered more. I wish I had a clear-cut purpose. I wish that I could make a difference. I think each and every one of us have that in us. We were made to have that in us. We weren't made to be selfish. We were made to serve. And we've fallen far away in the North American church culture. So far away from this idea of Love one another, serve one another, lay down your life for one another. And we have this hole inside of us that that is gaping big and we're trying to fill it with everything else. But the truth is, and this is what Jesus said in this passage, he's like, I'm telling you this to remain in my love because that is when your joy will be complete. You're going to try to find joy in material possessions. You're going to try to find joy in relationships. You're going to try to find joy in holidays or whatever it is in your career. But at the end of the day, the only joy that's going to complete you is by being in Christ's love. And we've fallen far away from it. And this morning I believe that God's going to call some people back into his love. And this true sign, that was my first point, only, only joy you're going to be completed in his God's. My second point is, if the true joy of the Lord and if you remain in his love, it will always lead you to do the latter. You can put the verse back up. If you remain in my love, you will do what I command. If you do what I command, you will love others as I have loved you. No greater love than to lay down your life for one another. I don't see a lot of laying down of lives in our society or our culture. It's a tough message. It's a, it's, a, it's a tough thing to swallow. It hurts. You're like, I'm just trying to get by God. I'm just trying to make it. I'm trying to trying to be someone. But if we come back and we see what Jesus demonstrated, 
I mean, have you ever wondered why he came as a human? Why didn't he come down and just save the world? Have you ever wondered why he came as a baby? It's Christmas. I mean, even all all the Jews wondered why he came as a baby. They were all expecting Jesus, the Messiah, to come down in chariots of fire and conquer the world back from the Romans and put authority back on them. They were, they were wanting him to come in, in, in violence and in aggression and take back the world. And they were wondering, why did he come as a baby? And that's why they crucified him, because they asked for a Messiah and they missed it. Have you ever wondered why he came as a human? Have you ever also wondered why God put another tree in the garden? Have you ever wondered why? It's like, God, you knew they were going to eat that. It's almost like you just set us up for failure. Have you ever wondered why? This morning, I'd like to propose to you a thought that the reason why God put a tree in the garden of knowledge of good and evil is because in order for love to be real, there has to be choice. Putting the tree in the garden was the risk that God had to take in order for humanity's love for him to be real. And we all know the story, and maybe you don't, but in Genesis 1 and 2, Adam and Eve were in the garden, and they ate from the tree. They failed. We're humans. We mess up. It's just life. They ate from the tree, and by one man's disobedience, the world was condemned. Do you remember Jesus in the garden? Right before he's about to go lay down his life for humanity. You remember what he said? He was praying, and he was in so much pain and agony. That in John, it records that he was sweating blood. Now, I've never sweat blood before, but what I've heard is that the, most oftentimes, if that happens, is when a, a, a woman is giving, a, bearing a child, giving a birth to a child, and I've never done that. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but imagine, this is the kind of pain and agony he's in. And he says to God, he says, God, can this cup be passed from me? What he's saying is, God, is there another way? Can we do this a different way? Do I have to go to the cross? You can, you can fill in the blanks. But what does he say after? Catch this. What does he say after? He says, not my will, but your will be done. Sometimes I like to think that Jesus going to the cross was easy for him. Because he was God. I mean, he, he's God. He's supernatural and stuff. Sometimes I like to think that because it takes the pressure off me. But when I realized that he came as a human, why he came as a human is because he wanted to show humanity that what God could do with one human submitted to his will. With one person that chooses, I'm going to serve God no matter what. I am going to lay down my life no matter what. It's not about me. It's about you, God. Maybe one point in our lives we've been passionate about this. Yeah! Got saved. You remember the moment you got saved. I'm going to tell everybody about this. The whole world's going to get saved. Then you get into the church and then you just end up sitting in a pew. Hanging out. Feeling good about yourself. And this was the hardest question that I asked myself. I had to ask myself, James, is your life, is your choice, is your will being submitted to God, where does it leave humanity? Does it leave humanity like Adam, condemned, or does it leave humanity like Jesus, saved? Where does your choice leave that? Where does your choice leave my community? 
where does, where does my choice leave the guys I play basketball with? And I, I remember I was preaching one time, and it's easy to get up here and just share, and I'm preaching this to myself to hear my heart. I remember I was preaching one time to some students. I'm like, you guys have the best mission field on the planet. Your high schools, they're amazing. And, and, and God reminded me of that. I was like, bro, how many people did you lead to high school? I mean, did you lead? Yes, I took people to high school. It was awesome. How many people did you lead to Jesus at your high school? It's easy for you to say it from Mike, but are you doing it? I was like, mm, ouch. Is that for somebody else? And it wasn't a condemning thing from Jesus. It was a, James, I've called you to greater things. James, yes, I've called you to be a pastor. But first and foremost, you're a Christian. And what a Christian's duty is, is to lay down their life for one another. And Jesus demonstrated this. And he was saying to the disciples, he's like, yo, I'm going to go first. Don't worry. I would never ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do. And he laid down his life. He literally, he grew up as a man, had, had life. He, he disagreed with his parents. He, he, he grew a beard. He had a job. He, he went through puberty. Like, he, he's just a normal human being. Submitted to God's will. And he, and he, he, he said, okay, God, I'm going to give my life up. And he died on a cross for our sins, for our failures, for our mistakes. And he did it because he loved you, because he loved me. And this morning, I believe that God is going to ignite a passion in each and every one of us for the people around you, in your world, in your environment, in your community. Maybe you're sitting here thinking like, oh, man, like I'm old or I, I can't talk like you or Pastor Ben. Like I, 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 I've messed up. I've, 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 I'm not good enough. Like I, I'm insecure. When you come back to his love, all of those things fall away. And you don't do it for God's love. You do it from God's love. And when you do it from God's love, it gets a lot easier because the pressure isn't on you to save people. Jesus already did that. Jesus already did that for you and I in the world. Do I save people? No. But am I an ambassador of his love here on earth? Yes. But I've been there. I've lost my passion, I've lost my fervor, I've lost my fire. And maybe you're there, or maybe you've been there. I think we all have. And I read a quote the other day, and it said, uh, this guy named Draymond Green, he, uh, he's from Gold State Warriors, amazing team. And he said, passion is a skill set. A lot of times we're like, where did our passion go, God? Why did it leave? Well, passion's a skill set, and how do you get a skill set? You practice. What did Jesus do? Where was he all the time? He was with people. He was, with, he was practicing. He was practicing bringing heaven down, inviting God's kingdom to be, have dominion where he was. He practiced. And it's, it's like the same thing like any sport, or ladies, I'll give you an example, like shopping. Like if, 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 when, when, we, when we practice, like say my golf swing, it's terrible. I can beat Tim Mason at golf. He's okay at it. But uh, I, uh, when we, you know, 
for all the bogeys that I get, because I'm not a good golfer, I'm not pretending to be good, just better than Tim, I, 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 when, for all the bogeys to get, the one birdie that I get, that's what keeps me coming back. You want to know why your passion's gone? It's because you haven't seen someone saved in your life. You haven't practiced. Ladies, it's like, it's like I'm going to have self-control. I'm going to resist temptation. I'm not going to buy that thing. And then it goes on sale four months later, and you're like, thank you, God, I waited. And then everybody compliments you on it. And they're like, what's up? It was on sale. I look f- fresh on sale for cheap. Let's go. You want to have your passion up? You want to be on fire? You got to get the W. You got to get the sales. As cheesy as that sounds, you got to see people come to Christ in your life. Because seeing someone, and I'm not saying at the altar, yes, invite your friends to church. Yes, invite them to Christmas Eve. They're going to hear the gospel. But if you live the gospel out in front of them and you see, when God convicted me, I was like, man, i got to take advantage of this basketball league. And I, I remember I was sitting in a, in, a, in a Wendy's with a friend who's not a believer. And I had the amazing privilege to lead him to the Lord. And it lit my heart on fire because I saw the life-transforming power and love of Jesus in his life in a Wendy's. Not at church, and I can, I will, here's something I admit, I can get so complacent and satisfied with seeing people get saved here. As a pastor, I'm like, oh, I'm doing my job, what's up? What's up, God? Four people gave their life to Jesus. But as a Christian, what did he say? He said, go and bear fruit. What kind of fruit? Fruit that will last. We can lose our passion because we get passionate about other things. Material possessions, fame, the economy, we can get distracted, whatever. We all have distractions. We're human. It happens. But if we continue to practice, just imagine where this church could be. Imagine where your life could be. Jesus said in another passage, he said, don't build up your treasure on earth where moth and rust can steal. I mean, moth, yeah, moth and rust, they're gonna get up and steal your stuff. <laughs> moth and rust can destroy and thieves can come in and steal. What did he say? He said, build up your treasure in heaven. What's gonna last beyond any material, beyond this building, beyond your house, beyond your holiday home in Arizona? What's gonna last beyond that? Humans. That lasts for eternity because someone told them about the love of Jesus for them. As the band comes up, I, 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 I know this is like, it's like, bro, it's Christmas. Lay off, dude. Just trying to get them presents. Like, get off my back. This is, this is not, it's not me on your back. This is, not, this is not my idea. This is Jesus' idea. Blessing for the disciples, guess what that was? It was a mansion in heaven, but it sure was not a mansion on earth. What was blessing for Peter? Hanging upside down on a cross. 11 of the 12 disciples, scholars say, all died by literally giving their life. And this concept of lay down your life, you know, is Jesus asking you to go get crucified tomorrow? I don't think so. But it's, and to be honest, Obviously, it'd be hard laying down your physical life, but it's harder to live your life laid down while you're living. 
for others. It's pretty hard. Jesus this morning, he loves you. He wants you to be a part of his, his, his story. And he didn't die just for us to have a great moral life and sit in pews and hang out. The rich young ruler, if you remember, it was a story where Jesus, he had some guy, he was rich, he was balling, came up and said, Jesus, what must I do to follow you? He's like, I've obeyed all your commandments since I was a child. I've done all the right things. And Jesus prophetically seen in his heart, he said, go and sell all you have and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. What happened? He left. You know, Jesus didn't ask him to physically give his life, but he said, hey, what you put in front of me, will you lay that down? And when you see the kingdom come here, where you are. And I believe this morning, and I believe in this church more than ever, that this church is called to see the kingdom come here in Calgary. If we could just love our city a little more, we can actually see somebody get saved. We could actually see a revival happen. And it's not weird what revival is, it's people coming to Jesus. We could actually see through partnering together, through partnering with the Spirit, our neighbors get saved. Our teammates come to know Jesus. Jesus didn't die so I could just hang out. He died so I could partner with his his story. No greater love than this to lay down your life for one another. Jesus demonstrated that. Will you? Will we, as a house, as a family, I don't want to get to heaven and say, yo, lived a great life, Jesus. Paid that mortgage off. Got a timeshare. That's the blessed life, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Money cometh. You know, I don't want to get to heaven. I want to get to heaven and say, man, Jesus, I laid it all out for you. I laid down my life. These are the words of Paul in Acts chapter 20. I think we have it up on the screen. And he's about to go to Jerusalem, and he knows he's about to either go to prison or be murdered. And he says, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying the good news of God's grace. Is your life worth nothing to you? It's a challenging one. Again, we get to lay our life down while we're living, but for the disciples, it was... You know, James 1, he's writing a passage in in James. He's like, count it all joy when you go through many trials and sufferings. He was writing that while seeing his friends get beheaded and crucified. We wonder why the church in Canada isn't exploding like the church in China, because we get to just come and relax. We're not persecuted for it here in Canada. It's, It's a tough reality. We're not hungry enough for it. 
So my question this morning is, will we get hungry? Will we get our passion up? Will we practice reaching out? And this morning, as every head is bowed and every eye closed, if you're sitting there thinking, man, I want to be a part of this. I want to make my life matter. I want to give somebody hope and joy that outlasts any trial, any pain, any suffering, any problem. I want to be a part of this, James. I've, I've been searching. I've been trying to find. I've been putting my hope in, in material or people or, or all these other things. And this morning, I, I want to put my hope in Jesus. I want to put my trust in Jesus. I've never had someone lay down their life for me. I want that. I want to have a relationship with him. If that's you this morning, this is your morning. This is the morning that Jesus has for you. But I think you'll know that if you want to serve him, it'll cost you everything. So I'm going to give an opportunity. If there's anyone in here that's like, yeah, I'm willing. I'm, I'm messed up. I'm broken. I'm, I'm a sinner. Well, if you are, then you're the perfect candidate for God to use you. For God to be in you. For his love to be on you. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'll count to three and you can just give me a wave. What we're going to do if there's people, we're going to get the congregation around you to pray for you and lead you to Jesus. They're family. It's safe. We love you. But if that's you, one, Jesus loves you and he died for you. Two, this is your day. Don't wait. Three, if you want to accept Jesus, just give me a wave just so I can see you. stand and uh, if that was you, we're going to get everybody to pray with each other in a moment. If that was you, just turn to your neighbor and say, hey, I want to accept Jesus in my life. But if you're here this morning and your passion has gone dim and you want to be ignited again, it's not, it's not going to be me that ignites it in you. It's going to be God. And it, you don't need me to pray over you or a pastor to pray for you. You need to just ask. And what I find is most effective in our life when we try to reach people is when we try to do it with the people around us. Jesus sent them out in twos. He never sent them alone. So if you've come with someone this morning, pray with them and say, God, I want the passion. I want it back. There's no disqualifications here. You think maybe you're a senior citizen and you're not, you're not, you're not. I'm like, I don't have a voice anymore. Well, I was talking to Nana Mason the other day and she broke her hip a few months ago and, and she's like, you know, I, it was a bad situation, but I went to the hospital and I got to lead a couple people to Jesus. And uh, you're never too old. You're never too young either. So right now, if you want it, just grab your neighbor and pray. Just ask God. Ask him to come on you. Ask him to be with you. Ask him to give you divine appointments. Go ahead. If you want to, just pray with your neighbor. We're not going to force you into this. If you don't want to pray, that's okay. We love you. If you 
you want to see your community reach, just go ahead. Just pray with each other. Just grab a neighbor. Go. You can do it. You're adults. It's a tough message, I know. But it matters because there's lives on the line. So go ahead.